So we're going to begin with our drugs that affect the blood pressure, that is the cardiovascular medication. And uh, to start with this medication, we're going to start with the AC inhibitors, that is the angiotensin converting enzyme. And before we understand what these drugs functions are against disease condition, we have to understand the function of the AC of the ACE in our body. Now, the AC is the angiotensin converting enzyme. Now, this is an enzyme in our body that converts certain things in the body that will create vessel constriction. So that is the angiotensin. So the A stands for angiotensin. Now, this angiotensin is the one. There are two types. We have one and two. Then we have angiotensin 2. Now, angiotensin 1 got to be converted to 2. So it is this enzyme that is, that is used to convert the angiotensin 1 to 2. Now, this angiotensin 2 is commonly referred to as a vasoconstrictor, meaning it creates narrowing of the blood vessels. Now, you remember that whenever the blood vessel gets narrow, definitely it leads to high BP. So, if we are having a narrow blood vessel, our BP will keep going or higher. So, in the case of uh, when we are having, when we are having, uh, when we are having um, low blood pressure, the one is changed to two. And the two will cause our blood vessel to become narrow. That's what happened in this case. Now, but in the case of hypertension, we do not need it in this form because it's already narrowed. So if it is narrow, the BP keeps going up higher. So we need an inhibitor to stop the narrowing. That's why we take the ACE inhibitors because the inhibitors will put stop to the conversion of one to two because two is a vasoconstrictor. So as much as the body is still converting, the one to two, there will still be vasoconstriction, which will lead to hypertension or high blood pressure. So when we take the AC inhibitors, the inhibitor go against number two, which is the angiotensin two. So the inhibitor will block the function of the two that will lead to vasodilatation. So once the two is being blocked, definitely we are going to have vessel dilation that will decrease the BP. So AC inhibitors are those medications that will block the conversion of angiotensin 1 to 2 and it will lead to vasodilation which will drop the BP. So if we have a blood vessel that, that, that is narrow and the heart is pumping one unit of blood per minute and you have another one that, that is wider or dilated and the heart still pumps the same one unit of blood per minute it makes it easier for the blood to flow in the wider uh, vessel than the smaller vessel. So if it is narrower, uh, if, it, if it's a narrow blood vessel, it takes the heart more force to pump the blood against that particular gradient that is in the blood vessel, which will create high BP. So it happens just vice versa. Now, these medications are the ones that end in the pill, P-R-I-L. 
So drugs that end in pills are what we call the angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitor or the AC inhibitors. This medication ends in PRIL, pril. So you have example, you have lisanopril, you have the, in the inalapril, you have drugs like the captopril. So all of these drugs that you're going to see in the ankle or in your static guard that ends in PRIL, I will call the AC inhibitors. And these drugs work by blocking the effect of angiotensin 2. So these medications, um, they, they are used to treat hypertension. They can, they, they can be used to treat heart failure. They can treat myocardial infarction. Um, when there is a decrease uh, to, to decrease motility and to decrease the risk of heart failure and also left ventricular problem. So when we are having left ventricular problem of the heart, we take the AC inhibitors to increase the function of the left side of the heart or the left ventricle. Because the left ventricle is where blood leaves and go into systemic circulation. Now, this medication can also work when there is the client is having diabetic neuropathy or the client is having a non-diabetic neuropathy. So once it is a neuropathic condition, this medication that falls in the AC inhibitors, we can serve them and they can also provide for us the relief that we need when we are having those conditions. Um, for clients at high risk for cardiovascular events, uh, these drugs are used. Another one we call the Ramipril. The Ramipril um, is used when a client is uh, due to, when a client has MI and want to prevent uh, the occurrence of the myocardial infarction, we can use the Ramipril. We can also use this Ramipril to prevent stroke or CVA, cerebral vascular accident. We can use it to prevent it or even death or brain death. It can be used to prevent these conditions when you administer one of the AC inhibitors, which is the which is the 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 Ramin pill. Now over here, my concern with this medication, there are a lot of medications. You have the inalapril, you have the fosinopril's, there are a lot of drugs on here. You have like uh, the binazi pills. Now, but my concern here becomes um what are the nursing implication what are the nursing guidelines that we can put in when there are complications about this medication because these drugs come with a lot of complications now for these complications there are a lot of things we have to learn about them there are so many different complications on and every complication in the ankles or in the nursing guard that we are studying for our ankles want to understand what can we do for those complications now this this medication we have what we call the first dose autostatic hypotension. The first dose autostatic hypotension. Meaning, when we administer the first dose of the ACE inhibitors, the first dose, um, the client can have what we call autostatic hypotension. Autostatic hypotension. The client can have this due to the first dose. So whenever we administer the first dose, the client is going to have uh, orthotic hypertension. So what can we do when the client is taking this medication? The first thing is, the client needs to be educated about the first dose orthotic hypertension that comes with the medication administering. Now, 
in this case the client needs uh if the client is already on diuretics that is if the client already taking another medication for the hypertension example could be diuretic that we talked about yesterday if the client is on diuretics we stop the medication temporarily for at least three to four days before we can start the ac inhibitors we do not want to start diuretic medication along with the ac inhibitors and it's no we cannot start both together we stop the diuretic at least for two to three days then we continue with the uh the ac inhibitors after at least two to three days then we can combine them together because the diuretic can cause orthotic hypertension this drug can also cause first dose orthotic hypertension so if we administer the both drugs together the client will have aggressive hypertension so that's the reason why we have to hold one to administer the other one it takes at least two to three days for the client to get back at his or her normal or uh, normal body uh, 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 body or uh, 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 point that's where we can administer the other medication together as one so we have to hold the diuretics for at least two to three days then we can come back and continue both drugs together that's that we said the first line of treatment with diuretics when the client is having uh hypertension we said we use the taza diuretics and we said this drugs can be used in conjunction or as an adjunct treatment to other medication meaning we can combine the diuretic plus other medication like the ac inhibitor so it is it is it, it, it is it is it is allowed for us to use an ac inhibitors along with a diuretic or a taza diuretic but we have to hold the taza for at least two to three days as we've started uh, before we can start the ac inhibitor so you got to hold it at least for two to three days before we can start the ac inhibitors just to know that now another thing is um, if the client starts the treatment with the load, the client should start the treatment with a low dose of medication and we carry it up. We cannot start the client with a high dose of AC inhibitors. The client must start with a low dose. As the as time goes by, we keep to while increasing the client dose of the AC inhibitors until it reaches its regular point to keep administering it. Now, this medication can also cause cough. Cough comes with the AC inhibitors. When you are on the AC inhibitors, the client can have cough. The client can have cough. The client can have cough coming in. Cough is one of the complications of the AC inhibitor. Cough. Now, the client can be coughing. Now, for the cough, um, we 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 also we we really want to try to make sure to inform the client about the effect about this particular cough now the client must be educated on about this medication or, or, or before we can start getting this medication now inform the client of the possibility of the client experiencing dry cough the client will have dry cough when the client start this medication now the client will also have some numbness and tingling in the hands and feet what we call parasthesia so the client can have parasthesia with the the administration of ac inhibitor so the client got to be told this thing before the client can start the medication these are all points the client needs to know before we can start the medication the client can also have hyperkalemia increased level of potassium in the blood 
the client can have hyperkalemia with this drugs being administered the client can have hyperkalemia the client needs to understand this also for the hyperkalemia when the, when a client starts the ac inhibitors we want to make sure and monitor the client potassium levels we want to monitor the client potassium level to make sure the client is within the range between 3.5 to 5.0 potassium if the client is above 5.0 the client is having hyperkalemia and it needs to be uh, uh, we need to inform the HCP about the increased potassium in the client uh, in the client blood. We also want to monitor the symptoms of hyperkalemia. What is not hyperkalemia? The symptoms of hyperkalemia include we we'll have numbness, tingling in our feet, and in our lower extremity, we we'll have numbness and tingling in those areas, which we call parasthesia also when there is a hyperkalemia. Now, so in the ankles, the ankles will not tell us about hyperkalemia. The ankles will say a client on this medication. The client report that there is a they are having tinglings in their feet or in their finger or in their feet. What would the nurse immediate action? In this case, the nurse wants to call the doctor and let the doctor know that the client is having these symptoms. Or the ankle might ask us. The client was on AC inhibitor, the client is on Lysandro Pro or the client is on uh, Capital Pro for this amount of time. The client presents with tingling of the fingers and other things. What are the indications? Now, in this case, um, they, might, they might not put other things, uh, they might put in like a A would be like a, the client needs to do level the potassium level to measure it. They'll give you different, different options in the question. But I'm trying to say that uh, whenever you are given such a question, you want to understand the rationale for which the question is being given. You want to understand the link between the symptoms in the question and what you've read over the past time or at home in your, in your endless guide. So tingling, numbness are all symptoms of parasthesia uh, that we're going to feel when we are taking this medication. And those are symptoms that are linked to what? Hyperkalemia in our blood. Then we're gonna have ratchets. The client can also have ratchets or the client how we call this dysgracia. The client can have dysgracia. It's D-Y-S-G-E-U-S-I-A. This means dysgracia means the client is having some abnormal taste in their mouth. They're gonna have abnormal taste. So dysgracia comes with the medication, which is an abnormal taste in the mouth. Um, the client will have this. When the client is on the AC inhibitors. Now, um, in this case, the client can also have ratchets. Ratchets come mainly with capital pill. Among these drugs, I told you about the water, but the, the, the capital pill it creates ratchets on the skin as a complication and or an or as an average effect. So ratchets come with this medication. Now, you want to understand these drugs and what they're going to present with to remove them well. You want to read on your paper, read on your notepad, read AC inhibitor, and these average effects I'm talking about, you want to read them on every class of drugs you have in your notepad. And you want to remember them very well. The ink class will not bring these things like straightforward. No. The ink class will bring these things in a skillful manner. You have to apply critical thinking. To make use of what you have said over the past time. If you think they're going to bring it in straight far, no. Then it means you are wrong. It's going to come in case scenario that you have to look at the question 
and understand what the question is asking for as an answer. So when the client have these ratchets or the dysgeusia, um, the client should be informed, uh, the client should inform the provider with immediate effects and the other effect will stop with the drugs being discontinued. So when the clients are to have the ratchets or, or, or abnormalities in the mouth, we stop the medication. But we, have to, we want to inform the doctor first before stopping the medication. Now, the client can also have angioedema with this, with this medication, angioedema. Clients who, who is on uh, AC inhibitors, they can also have angioedema. Angioedema is some of the, uh, some of the adverse effects of the AC inhibitors. For the angioedema, there is something like a swelling around the mouth or around the oral, the, around the oral firing. The tongue can get swollen up or the oral firing can get swollen up. That's what we call angioedema. In this case, we want to treat severe the severe effects with subcutaneous epinephrine. So with the angioedema, we administer epinephrine when the client presents with uh, these complications. We want to administer, administer epinephrine. With this, uh, we also want to, this condition is the condition that comes with the, with, with the angioedema. I mean, the angioedema is reversible. So when we give when we give the epinephrine, it helps to why to stop this particular angioedema. After we administer the, angio, the, 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 the epinephrine, we discontinue the medication. Then the client who is on this medication can also have neutropenia. The client can have neutropenia with this medication. Now for the neutropenia, uh, it, this, this this condition is very rare. But yes, it does occur. It's rare, but it occurs mainly with the captopril. So among these drugs, the captopril is one of the drugs among them that is very effective, but it has strenuous adverse effects. This is where when the client starts the medication, we have to do the client entire blood work. The client CBC got to be done. The client complete blood count got to be done to be used as a baseline before we can start the medication. The neutropenia is very much reversible and the client is going to have fever and sore throat with the captopril. So in this case, we discontinue the medication. So these are common things that we look out for for this medication. This medication, when we when we give them a lot of diuretics, they're going to have what we call the first dose orthotic hypotension. I talk about first dose hypotension. So we do not combine them with diuretics. We hold diuretics for at least two to three days before we start this medication. Um, this medication, we, uh, we can if we combine the other medication. We need to always observe the client and monitor the BP regularly because it can have some hypertensive crisis. Um, we want to monitor the client potassium level um, and other things. We cannot administer these drugs with potassium sparing diuretic because if we give them a lot of potassium sparing diuretics, the client will have increased level of potassium in their blood. That will be that will lead to hyperkalemia. The drugs can can cause hyperkalemia by itself. So if we administer them along with potassium sparing diuretics, that becomes a problem. 
in the ankle the ankle will ask you the nurse received the 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 MAR of Mr. John Brown. Mr. John Brown is on the following medication. Which medication among this, among the, 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 the MAR with a nurse question? They will give you Mr. John Brown lab results. And you will see Mr. John Brown will have increased potassium among the lab results. You will see Mr. John Brown will also have, um, Mr. John Brown will also have uh, uh, increased blood pressure hypertension. And they will list for you. They will list for you his medication. Among these drugs, they're going to have triamtorin among these medication, which is a potassium sparing diuretics. So they, they might have triamtorin, they might have spironolactone, which are all drugs that fall within the potassium sparing diuretics. So in short, we cannot administer these potassium sparing diuretics along with the AC inhibitors because the both medications can increase the level of potassium in the blood, which might cause our heart problems. So the nurse will go ahead and question drugs that will have effect on our level of potassium, in short. Any question on these medications? Also, when we sell these drugs along with lithium, these AC inhibitors can increase the level of lithium in our body, which will lead to lithium toxicity. These drugs, um, if we they, they are used a lot of NSAIDs, the NSAIDs can decrease the anti hypertensive effect of this medication. So, NSAID medications, um, potassium sparing diuretics, and other diuretics should be questioned before we can administer them along with the AC inhibitors. Any questions so far? Then we look at um, the angiotensin 2 blockers. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on these ones. What I want to answer about the angiotensin 2 blockers is uh, the drugs that fall under here. Now, under the angiotensin 2 blockers, like I said, angiotensin um, 2 blockers. So these medications under here, they are the medication that can cause vasoconstriction. They are the angiotensin 2 blockers. So uh, the drugs under here, the blockers in here, will help to block the effect of this angiotensin 2 because angiotensin 2 can cause vasoconstriction. So medication that we give called the angiotensin 2 blockers, they block the effect of angiotensin 2, which is the vessel constrictor. So if they're blocking the effect of this, of this enzyme in the body, then it will lead to vessel dilation, which will lower the blood pressure. Those drugs are what we call the Sartens medication. Drugs that ends in Sartens, S-A-R-T-A, and the Sartens medication. Example of those drugs, you have the candy Sartens, uh, the candy Sartens, you have the Varsatins. So, just N-N-V-S-A-R-T-A-N-S are the drugs we call the angiotensin 2 blockers, the Sartin medication. Now, you can read on it more and look at, on, and, and look at them more. These medications can treat hypertension, heart failures, delayed progression of diabetic, 
neuropathy and other conditions. It also pre prevents MI, it prevents stroke or CVA and other, other conditions uh, for the ankles. It has almost the same complication that the other ones we talked about earlier have. Now, then we look at the next group of drugs we call the adosterone antagonist. The adosterone antagonist. Now, again, to understand the adosterone antagonist, we want to understand the function of adosterone in our body. And we said yesterday, we said adosterone are medication that will increase water and sodium retention. So adosterone increases water and sodium retention in our body. So in this case, when we are taking adosterone medication, uh, antagonist medication, they will go against the function of adosterone in our body. So these medications, you have example is the spironolactone. Spironolactones, epi, uh, the epirinone, these are all drugs that fall on adosterone antagonists. So in short, adosterone retains water and sodium in the body. So when you take adosterone antagonists, the antagonist will go against the function of adosterone just by increasing the letting go of, of, of sodium and water from the body. So if you take adosterone antagonists, you will have to put out more water and sodium from your body. So it is the counteractive, uh, it is the counter effect of adosterone that we call adosterone antagonist. These medications, um, they treat hypertension, they treat heart failure, and they can also cause other, co other complications like hyponatremia because we said uh, these adosterone antagonists can let go sodium uh, sodium in the body so as the, as much as we are we are putting out sodium in high amount the client going to be at risk for what hyponatremia so hyponatremia is one of the complications for this medication and adosterone antagonists will withhold the drugs will withhold um potassium so it can cause increased blood potassium which is hyperkalemia so it causes hyponatremia and causes hyperkalemia now with this medication it is causing two opposite things to the body it causes hyperkalemia and it causes hyponatremia so in the end class they might bring this kind of medication in or apply with this hormonal treatment a lot can come in the end class so in short you want to understand the function of the hormone adosterone so you will know how the adosterone antagonist will function when you take those medications. For this medication owner here, they can also cause flu-like symptoms. This uh, adosterone antagonist can cause flu-like symptoms like headache, rhinitis, or, or nasal drains. They can also cause those things. These adosterone antagonists can also cause gynecomastia like the the male will have increased breast tissue they will have breast enlargement and it will be painful which we call the gynecomastia gynecomastia is some of the um complication for the medication adosterone antagonist the, the male can have gynecomastia 
Genicomastia. I'm sorry, S T S T I A. Genicomastia. Now, um, also, when a male has this condition, you have to advise the male to report any severe symptoms to the doctor of the breast enlargement. The client can also have other contraindications, uh, which will lead to high potassium level, uh, which will impair kidney functions and other things. So in this case, we want to be very much um, uh, alert for this complication with the aldosterone antagonist. For this medication, we they can also cause lithium toxicity if they are administered together. Grapefruit juice and grape grapefruit can we sh we cannot serve with this medication. So grapefruit juice or grapefruit is contraindicated when you are serving a dosteron antagonist of the client. It can increase the level of one of the medications that fall on that, that is the uh, like uh, the drugs, the eplirenum. The eplirenum is E P L E R E N O N E. Eplirenum is one of the drugs that fall on the antagonist and cannot be administered with grapefruit juice now just remember the grapefruit juice when you see this just this grapefruit coming with any adosterone antagonist remember that we cannot serve it along with it because it causes a bad effect that we don't want the client to go through when the client have this medication um so these are things i want you to look at then i'll look at the next drugs will be the calcium kernel blockers Calcium channels blockers. Um, the calcium channels blockers. These are the drugs like you have the nafida pains. The end in most P I N E. So the calcium channel blocker. So these are drugs that end in the P I N E. In most cases, not all of them, but most of them end in P I N E. Example is the nafida pains. You have uh, the amlodipines, the nacardipines, you have the uh, amlodipines or pines, you have the nafidipines. These are all examples of the calcium channel blockers. Um, so these medications, um, they work on the blood vessels, the block calcium from coming up because calcium will create blood narrow blood vessel narrowing so in this case when they block the calcium channels in the blood vessel it create vessel dilation that's how they work on our bodies this medication you have example you have virapamil virapamil is another form of calcium kind of blocker this does not come in p-i-n-e virapamil is another form of the calcium kind of blockers. You have the delta zane, del the delta zane is D I L T I A Z E M. Delta zane is also an example of the calcium kind of blockers. This medication, I'm going to start with nafida pains. For nafida pains, they can cause reflex tachycardia. Nafida pains can cause reflex tachycardia. So when a client has a reflex tachycardia, you want to make sure that uh, the client um, with excessive doses, the heart in addition to blood vessel is affected. Now, 
we have you monitor various signs and the EKG. When the client is unaffiliated pines, you want to monitor the client uh, various signs, the client EKG. If the client is having acute toxicity of nafida palm, because this drug can cause toxic effect. If the client is having toxic effect of nafida pines, you want to do the client, you want to do what we call lavage, gastric lavage. And this is why in class, we must know what gastric lavage is. Lavage, gavage, decompression. These are the reasons why we pass NG tube. NG tube has five reasons that we do NG tube. We have the NG tube lavage, NG tube gavage for decompression for different types. There are five types. So in this case, if the client is having nafida pains or nafida pines, toxicity, we want to do for the client gastric lavage. Now, in this lavage, we are like a, a we are like Oh, we are like uh, emptying the stomach for them because they are having toxic effect. So we insert NG tube to remove the extra fluid of the drug that remains in the gastric mucosa. So to put it out, that process is called gastric lavage. We insert NG tube and we evacuate their abdominal content of the medication that is in their system, which is called gastric lavage. So um, also, we monitor the client vital signs and do the client EKG. Um, we also administer norepinephrine. We administer calcium. We administer lidocaines. We give IV fluid. These are all remedies to use when the client is having acute toxicity of the medication nafida pains. I'm saying this because the English will not hold us for all the drugs that we have to read about. They're going to hold for the most important ones, the one that we have, uh, the one that we can, uh, the ones that we will most see along the way are the ones that we, want to, we are going to be helpful. And one of those medications is the nafida pains. Now, we're going to also have other different uh, complications like uh, there will be uh, dysrhythmia of the heart, there will be heart murmurs, we have to just keep monitoring the client mainly for these complications. Then we have the another group of drugs we call um, um, we have the alpha blockers. These are the sympatholytics medication, the alpha we call them the alpha blockers, or you can call them the alpha adrenergic blockers. So these medications. Example, you have the prazosine. The prazosine is an example of the alpha agnostic blockers. These medications, um, the the function, they work on on primary hypertension. Um, they work in those in uh, like for that con condition. They are also effective when the client has venous or arterial dilation. Um, they can also be they can also provide like a better neck function when they are given in those cases. So for these medications, we have to look at them mainly to keep the client BP at a pace that they can receive the drugs. So if, if the client is to, to receive this medication or any anti-hypertensive medication, if you're a nurse working in a hospital, you always want to check your client BP. 
don't be lazy because sometimes the client might have some low blood pressure and you don't know and you said you said you, you go ahead and set the medication the client gonna have bad effect i never do a client on drugs for hypertension and fit to do that bp before getting the medication now the doctor might not even say monitor the bp but for your own safety as a nurse you want to make sure do the client virus signs before you administer any drugs that will affect the client virus sign. Drugs that will cause the client to be uh, to have sinus depression. You want to make sure and look at the client condition. The client is fully alert. If the client has any form of, of any form of lethargy, you want to stop the drugs and contact a doctor. That this is the patient I'm about to admit to the drugstore, but his condition or her condition is not fine. What can I do? You want to have second opinion because medication, when they are administered, you who administer them are the one, you are the one liable. If there's any complication, you are the first person they're going to ask. The doctor prescribed the drugs, he or she is not there to see the patient condition before the patient can take the medication. Then we have other medication, um, like the beta blockers. Now, the beta blockers are one of those drugs groups that you want to look at, meaning to read them well, because beta blockers are one of the widely used medications that we're going to see in the NCLEX that we see in our everyday activities. Beta blockers. Now, the beta blockers are the ones that end in LOL. Now, these medications, um, you have the protoproloid, propanoloid, metoproloid. These are all drugs that fall under the beta blockers. This medication, they can treat primary hypertension, they can treat angina, they can treat tachyd dysrhythmia, they can treat heart failure, they can treat myocardial infarction, among others, among other or condition they, they're going to treat. These drugs can suppress reflex tachycardia due to their vessel dilatational effects on the blood vessels. Um, other conditions include they can also treat hypo, oh sorry, hyperthyroidism. So they can also treat hyperthyroid conditions. Um, they can also treat a condition called pheochromocytoma. Pheochromocytoma. They can treat pheochromocytoma. They can treat this condition as an unlabeled use of the medication. And they can also treat glaucoma. They can treat migraine headaches. So when a, when a client has a migraine headache, client has glaucoma, client has pheochromocytoma, uh, these conditions can be treated with uh, beta blockers. Now, for this medication, beta blocker medication, they have several complications or adverse effects. They have decreased cardiac output. They can cause decreased cardiac output when you take them, and those are some of the side, some of the adverse effects. They can cause bladder cardiac. They can reduce the heart rate. They can also cause rebound myocardium excitation. They can cause rebound myocardial excitation. This medication, we have to make sure um, for the nursing management of this medication when it comes to um, 
the rebound, my kind of excitation. Um, the client can be advised not to stop this medication abruptly. We have to follow the prescriber's uh, prescription or, or, or guidelines. We can discontinue these drugs um, over one to two weeks. We do not stop them abruptly. So we take time to discontinue it between one to two weeks when the client is on this medication. Um, also, when there's a decreased cardiac output, we want to use these drugs cautiously with the client when the client has heart failure. We want to advise the client to observe for symptoms of worsening heart failure. What are the symptoms of worsening heart failure? For worsening heart failure, the client is going to have SOB, shortness of breath. The client is going to have edema. These are symptoms of worsening heart when the client has heart failure. When the client starts to have this condition, this symptom, meaning the heart failure is getting worse in this case. Um, the client is also going to have like a the client is going to have uh, weight gain and fatigue in this case. Any questions so far? Cardiac glycoside and heart failure medication. Um, heart failure can, uh, can cause a reduction in the cardiac output. Whenever we have heart failure, just remember that a heart failure is, when there's a heart failure, there will be a low cardiac output. Um, this will also reduce the stroke volume of the heart. It will reduce the heart preload and it also reduces the heart afterload. Now, you, you want to understand what is cardiac output defining, what is uh, stroke volume, what is preload, what is afterload. You all know the meaning of these things. Now, <clears throat> um, diuretics, AC inhibitors, Angiotensin two blockers, um, which we call the ARBs, the beta blockers. These are all drugs that treat heart failures. Because when we talk about AC inhibitor, we say it treats heart failure. Beta blocker, we say it treats heart failure. So all the drugs we talk about, these drugs can treat heart failure because in heart failure, the client will have decreased cardiac output. Now. <clears throat> So we'll start with the cardiac glycoside. To be specific, the digoxin. Digoxin is the widest, is the most, is the most common cardiac glycoside. Digoxin. Now, digoxin, um, these medications or this medication, it can be used as a second line medication to treat heart failure in some cases. Um, the joxin can increase the force of myocardial contraction. It can also help to return the heart rate to its normal pace. Now, the joxin can treat dysrhythmia. When the client has atrial fibrillation, we can administer the joxin in this instant. The client can also take the joxin when the client has heart failure, and, it, and the joxin can also reduce the symptoms 
but does not prolong the life of the heart. So it reduces the heart symptom in, in several cases when you take the joxin. Now, <clears throat> we all know that the joxin can cause dysrhythmia. It causes dysrhythmia. So we always want to check the, 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 the client, the patient heart, the patient heart rate to know it is at least above 60 before we can administer the joxin. Anything below 60, we do not want to administer the joxin. Even in some cases, if it is 61, 62, we still do not want to administer the joxin because it's going to drop the heart rate. Now, <clears throat> so the joxin can cause cardiac toxicity, it can cause cardiac dysrhythmia. In this case, we want to put in those nursing considerations that will help us when the client is having the cardiotoxicity or the client is having dysrhythmia. So in this case, we want to increase um, the joxin management, the, the joxin monitoring. We want to increase how we monitor the joxin on the client on the joxin. We want to increase this. Um, we want to prevent the client from having the joxin induced dysrhythmia. So the only, way, the only way we can really help the client with this condition is by monitoring the client heart rate before administering the medication, the joxin. Now, um, one of the that the client want also monitor the client level of potassium because we said potassium has a direct effect on cardiac, on cardiac or, 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 or on on the heart contractility. So if we do not monitor the client potassium level. The client might have high potassium, which might uh, give problem when we administer digoxin also. So what a monitor measure the client is at the normal level of potassium in their, in their body. Teach the client how to consume high potassium food when the client has a low level potassium and they are on digoxin. We want to also monitor the client digoxin therapeutic level. Want to monitor the client of uh, trapezium level, which can also cause condition if it is uh, if it is high or is low. Teach the client how to monitor their own pulse rates and also recognize and report any irregular heart rate or heartbeat while on the joxin. These are important tips when the client is on the joxin. You want the joxin can also call uh, GR effect. It can cause nausea, vomiting. It can cause abdominal pains when the client is having the joxin toxicity. So in this case, the client needs to monitor and report any adverse effect of the GI tract when the client is having this condition. The client might also have CNS effects. And yesterday we talked about the CNS effect in Clua. The client will have those... Uh, those those symptoms like dizziness, lightheadedness, blurred vision, those are all symptoms of what CNS effects when the client is on this medication. And we have a monitor and educate the client with these symptoms to report them to the doctor or to the nurses as soon as the client starts to see these symptoms or start to feel these symptoms. We do not give the drugs in punctual category C. It is not to be administered when the client has ventricular problem, when the client has ventricular fibrillation, when the client has ventricular, ventricular tachycardia, 
we do not administer the joxin or when the client has third degree heart block we do not administer the joxin with these conditions the joxin can be used cautiously in a client who has hypokalemia because if you have hypokalemia there are several dysrhythmia you're going to be having so we must administer the joxin cautiously when the client has hypokalemia we also administer the joxin cautiously when the client has heart failures when the client has impaired kidney function we must administer the joxin cautiously because it's going to increase the condition rather than help the condition the joxin or this cardiac glycoside these medications are not to be administered along with uh, taza diuretics such as the hydrochlorotaza or the hdz and other loops diuretics such as the furosemide because if you administer them, them together they're going to cause hypokalemia which will also affect the heart now this medication if we have interaction and the client develops uh dysrhythmia with the use of other medications like the diuretics or, or, or like the furosemide the loop diuretics the nurse must uh, monitor the client level of potassium the nurse must treat hypokalemia with potassium supplementation other food or medication the nurse needs to provide the client with potassium sparing diuretics when the client must take this cardiac glycoside along with other diuretics the nurse must provide the client, the client must take potassium sparing diuretics along with the amino uh, with this cardiac glycoside ac inhibitors and arbs this medication can increase the risk of hyperkalemia when we are with, with, with the cardiac glycoside or with the joxin and they can also decrease ARBs and AC inhibitors. They can decrease the effect of the joxin when they are administered together uh, for the patient who has hypertension or who has heart problem. Quinidine, the drug quinidine, can increase um, the risk of the joxin toxic effect. Meaning, quinidine can increase the 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 the, the, the efficacy of the joxin now so when the client is on the joxin you do not want to administer quinidine if you do you have to monitor the client the joxin level and try to treat any increased level that is above the normal range these are things you want to understand for the ankles another drug we call virapamil when we talk about the drugs under the certain medication virapamil can increase the plasma level of the joxin in the body. Antacid, antacid can decrease the joxin tox or uh, absorption or or level and can decrease the the effect of the joxin or the joxin efficacy. So antacid, antacid medication can decrease efficacy of this digoxin so we, we do not want to administer them together and this antacid can also decrease several medications effect in the body that's why 
We do not administer anti-acid and lot of other medication like antibody. We always wait at least one hour or two hours apart before we administer the anti-acid with other medication. Any question? Any question? Now, let's look at the nitrates. When a client has myocardial infarction, when a client has angina, we use nitrates to help the client. Let's look at the nitrates, the organic nitrates. Now, the nitrates. The nitrates, um, these are drugs that come, they come in capsule. Um, we have different types. We have the external release. They want to come in ER. They are the external release. So when they come in ER, we do not alter. We do not alter how they are, how, 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 how we see them. We do not break or crush them because they're not going to give us the power, the, 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 the efficacy we need to have to administer them. We will not have them if we break them. Um, these medications are given when there's an angina pain. We give nitrates to help the client. We can also administer beta blocker. Like we talked about when we're doing the beta blocker, we said these drugs can also help when the client has angina and when the client has myocardial infarction. So we have one of the drugs is what we call the nitroglycerin. The nitroglycerin, nitroglycerin, it is one of the widest, one of the most commonly used nitrates among the nitrates. The natural glycerin. This medication can come in sublingual tablets. It comes in translingual spray. It comes in ointment. It comes in patches. It comes in parenteral, in injectable form or intravenous form. They have different. You have the as the asosobite natural that come in sublingual. You have the asosobite mononitrate which is the oral type so they come in different types and we use different route to administer them now these medications um these drugs can treat chronic stable angina um they can help to dilate the veins because in the case of angina the veins or the vessel become constricted and that's where the pain is going to come in when the vessel becomes constricted in angina condition or in myocardial infarction, blood flow becomes impaired. If there's an impaired blood flow, O2 is not being sent to those portions of the body that is being deprived from having blood. So that blood or O2 deprivation will lead to pain. And that's the pain you're going to feel in your chest. And you're going to see the client feeling pains when the client having angina or when the client having myocardial infarction. That's how the client gonna have the pains. So in this case, the client can take drugs like uh, nitroglycerins, the beta blockers, the AC inhibitors can help to relieve the client from the pain the client is going through. Um, the, we we have different types of angina, which we we'll look at in message, but better still, you can look at them now. We have the stable angina, we have the unstable type. We have different types. We have like uh we have the variant uh or which we call the prince metal or the vessel spastic angina. 
we have different type of antenna so you gotta look at you can look at them for now but in message we'll look at them in detail now um this medication under here they have some complication this part they can be given to treat conditions they also have complication they can cause headache um this drugs can cause headache so the client can use aspirin or Tylenol to relieve the pains um the client can notify the doctor if the client is having headache or some of this condition the client can also have autostatic hypotension with this nitrate also because these nitrates they work on the heart the client can also have reflex tachycardia if the client experiences reflex tachycardia we need to monitor the client vital signs we need to administer beta blockers like metoprolol to help the client in the reflex tachycardia the client can also have tolerance with nitrates tolerance is the client can take a particular medical or the medication for a longer time and that will not work so the client needs to step up the dose so in that case the client can have tolerance if the client ever experiences if the, if the client experiences tolerance we use the lower dose to achieve the effect so we start to use the lower dose to achieve the effect because with time we might be increasing the client dose with time so we start from the lower dose to get the best effect with time it can be increased as time goes by um this medication take all long items from a natural with a medication free period each day this action reduces the risk of tolerance that's what we do so we take the medication at a particular time the natural uh glycerin uh we say if you have the pain if you have the chest pain the pain is coming out you take the first one put it on your tongue if the first does not work after five minutes you put second on your tongue if that does not work then the third one before you, before you put the third one on your tongue you must call 911 or call emergency that was by then but now in the end class when we use the first one and if the first one does not work the moment we still feel pain within five minutes before putting the second one on our tongue we should call ems or emergency before we can insert because sometimes if you wait for the third if the if the if if the if, if the if now one takes longer time to get to you they might get to you dead already that's why the rules have been changed the first one if the, if the first one if the first one does not work before you can put a second one on your tongue pick out the phone and call for help so as you put the second one on your tongue help is on its way to come to you so you can be on the safe side um, the nitrates are contraindicated in pregnancy category C. These medications uh, are not to be given to patients who have uh, a real reaction to nitrate. The client is reacting to nitrate of any type, the client does not take nitroglycerin. Um, this medication also, when a client uh, have close angle glaucoma traumatic hair injuries 
we do not get the client natural creation because this drug can increase the intracranial pressure. So when the client has head trauma, when the client has close angle glaucoma, if the client has traumatic head injury we do, or severe anemia, we do not give the client natural glycerin because these drugs can cause ICP. And those conditions I'm talking about, those conditions can also cause ICP, which is the increased intracranial pressure. These drugs should be used with caution. When our clients have hypertension, we've got to use these drugs with caution. Or they used when the client has hyperthyroidism, we gotta use these drugs with caution. When the client has kidney problem or kidney failures, we have to use these drugs with caution. And when the client has liver condition, liver dysfunction, it could be hypertension or any other liver condition, these nitrous drugs should be used in those clients with caution because it can only exacerbate the condition. If the client has this condition and you administer these nitrous, it will only increase the client problem. This medication cannot be administered with people who have alcohol, alcohol intake. It's going to cause hypotensive crisis. We cannot administer nitrous when the client is in all influence of alcohol. It's going to cause hypotensive crisis. We cannot administer uh, other hypertensive medications such as the beta blockers, the calcium kind of blockers. They can and directly they can decrease the effects of this medication of of nitrates so we have to give this nitrate it's a very powerful drugs very it's a very hard drug that has so much complication we must administer them with caution whether if we have to give them with other drugs that will affect the kidneys the liver the heart or the brain for the sublingual tablet or the sublingual spray, um, we have two types of sublingual spray. We have two types of sub we have the short acting sublingual spray, the short acting, and we have the long acting. Now, for the sublingual spray, um, it treats acute attack. If the client has acute attack, it treats acute attack. We can also give it as a preventive measure or as a prophylaxis, prophylaxis for the client who have who has the condition to prevent the attack. We can also use that. Um, for the sublingual or the trans or for the translingual spray or the sublingual tablet, um, you use this rapid acting nitrate at the first indication of the chest pain. Once you feel the pins a little bit, you have to use the first tablet. Do not wait until the pain gets severe. No, just one tingling of the heart. Take the sublingual first pill. Uh, first pill. Then you use um, prior to activities that is known to cause chest pain, such as you claiming a flight of stairs, you're climbing in a tree, you're going to drug, you're going to play soccer, you're going to run a treadmill. You want to take this drug before starting those activities because those activities can cause chest pain. So anything that will cause chest pain, you want to make sure you are on the preventive side before you can take this medication. Um, also 
for the sublingual tablet place the tablet under the tongue and allow it to, 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 to dissolve store the sublingual tablet in the original bottles in a cool dark place there's an endless point the sublingual tablet are placed in the same bottle you got it in in a cool dark location no light light can destroy the pills it can reduce the pills efficacy so you want to store in a cool dark room um for the sublingual tablet you want to make sure that um this for the spray um you you want to spray translingual spray against the oral mucosa and not and do not inhale so the spray you put it on the oral mucosa in the back of the gum in the back of the jaw not solid you don't want to just spray it and the mucosa will absorb it and it will become effective for the sustained release tablet or the external release tablet for this medicate for these types they also have they have a slow onset and they also have long duration so the, we talk about drugs that have slow onset slow onset drugs have long duration and rapid onset drugs are faster they are acute drugs for, for acute condition but they have shorter duration they have shorter half life these medications can also provide a longer preventive measure when you are going to do something that will cause hard things this drug should be swallowed in capsule they should not be altered you don't crush then you don't open the external release or the sustained release pills it remains as it is and they are administered for these pills you take the capsule on empty stomach with at least eight, with at least eight ounces of water you do not take it with food it works better with empty stomach with food for these sustained release natural glycerin tablets for the transdermal patches these transdermal patches also have to they have a slow onset and but they have a longer duration so you can also take them for a long-term preventive measure when you are going to engage into activity that will that will put you at risk for heart pains or chest pains these transdermal patches uh, make sure you take them in the appropriate dose the patches should not be cut you don't cut the patches you place the patches on area of the body that contains no hair so they are placed on a hairless portion of our body it could be the chest it could be the back or it could be on the abdomen or on the stomach we place them on areas that do not have hair and these sites are rotated uh, to prevent skin irritation you got to remove the old patch you wash the skin with soap and water and dry thoroughly before you can apply a new patch because you want to prevent skin irritation you remove the patch at night to reduce the risk of developing tolerance of the medication because we said this natural glycerin can create tolerance so at night you remove it you want to go at least medication free between 10 to 12 hours you should be medication free to prevent the drugs tolerance these are important things we want to remember as we go along now we also have the topical ointment 
For the omen also, it has a slow onset, meaning it will have a long duration. It also works with uh, long-term prevention. You, you remove the for the women you want to remove the prior dose before a new one is applied you want to measure specific dose with the applicator or paper and spread over 2.5 to 3.5 inches of the paper before you can apply to the skin you want to also apply to where there is no hair which could be the back the abdomen or other body parts that contains no hair you want to avoid touching the honor of your hand. If the nurse is administered this medication, the nurse cannot touch the honor of the hand because the honor can be absorbed and can, the cells can react just to the absorption of this medication. This drugs or the natural gasoline also comes in intravenous type. For the intravenous one, it controls angina not responding to other medication. So if the angina is not from the other medication, other type of drugs, we gave the IV type and um, it controls BP or induced hypertension during surgery. Um, these IV types can also treat heart failure resulting from myocardial infarction. You want to administer the IV tubing supplied by the manufacturer using a glass bottle, glass IV bottle. You want to administer it continuously due to short duration of action. You want to start at a slow rate, which is usually 5 mcg per mini. You want to start at 5 microgram per mini, and with time, you can increase it until you get to the desired dose that you need to administer. These medications, um, you want to also provide continuous cardiac and BP monitoring because these drugs or this drugs have or uh, has an effect on the heart and other blood pressure uh, other vital signs domain in our body these are things we want to make sure we use in place when we are administering this medication now let's look at the sublingual treatment we said if you have an angina attack with the use of this medication or to be specific the nitroglycerin you want to stop the activities, you want to sit down or lie down. You cannot be standing and taking medication. When, when you have an, a heart attack or angina pain, sit down or lie or lie down. You take the tablet and put it under your tongue and you rest for five minutes. That's the first thing you want to do. If the pain is not relieved by the first dose, now you call 911, then take the second dose. Now now, uh, to, to be specific, if you put the okay before even you put a second dose in your mouth, you want to call nine one one. I think I, I think that's what I said, right? Now, so you want to like make sure on the first pill you you put on your tongue if it does not work. Before you insert a second pill on your tongue, pick up the phone and call nine one one. Now, in the past time. We say before you insert a third dose, but this time around, no, it has been changed. When you put a first pill on your tongue, and after five minutes, the pain is not still relief. Before you put a second dose, take the phone and call 911. Now, after another five minutes, take a third tablet 
if the pain is still not relieved, do not take more than three tablets at a time. Do not take more than three sublingual pills at one point in time. Now, if using the nitroglycerin translingual spray, one spray equal to one tablet. So, once just one puff, one spray is equal to one tablet. The strength of one spray is the same as one tablet. So, you want to advise the client not to stop taking long acting medication abruptly. Advise the client who have and you to recall the pain frequency, the pain duration, the pain location, and the pain intensity. Report to the doctor if the attack increase, the attacks increase in frequency, in duration, or in intensity. You never want to crush or chew the oral tablet. You never do that. And the other one is the aso, the asosorbide nitrate. The asosorbide nitrate is I S O S O R B I D E. Asosorbide nitrate is the oral tablet. Any question about this medication? Yes, uh, am I doing? Yeah. I have a question about a. Uh Antilipemic agents. These drugs work in different ways to help lower LDL, HDL, triglyceride, total cholesterol, and every form of uh, lipids in our body. Before starting this medication, the client needs to do lab work. We don't just start the drugs with just without doing lab work. The client needs to do lab work to know the level of the cholesterol. We can start this medication. So we have the statins medication. The statins. So the statins are what we call the HMG CoA reductase inhibitors. The co the M M the HMG. They are called the HMG CoA reductase reductase inhibitors inhibitors. Now, these medications they prevent the absorption of lipids in our body. If our cells absorb lipids, the level of lipids in our body will be increasing, which the body does not need. So we want to give these drugs to prevent the cells from absorbing the lipids in our body that might cause increased cholesterol or what we call hypercholesterolemia. Now these drugs end in uh, statins. So they are drugs that end in statins, the statins medication. Example is the simvastatin, simvastatin medication. Simvastatin is an example of the statin medication. The lovastatins, the pravastatins, the pitavastatins, all these drugs are all what we call the statins medication. 
in some cases, this medication are combined with other drugs to lower our cholesterol. Example is niacin. We combine semvastatin with niacin, with niacin to give it best therapeutic result. Another example is the drugs we call um, the exintimabi, the exintimabi. This drug is combined with our sinvastatin also to provide its best effect. So this drug can be given as one medication or as a combined medication to also um, give us the best effect. Now, these medications, they, are, they, they treat primary hypercholesterolemia this medication can prevent coronary or uh, coronary events when a client has coronary problem it can prevent those problems it also protect against myocardial infarction due to high cholesterol um, these medications can also prevent stroke with patients who have diabetes mellitus and who also have increased cholesterol in their blood this just can prevent clients who have uh, a prevent in client who have normal LDL cholesterol. It can prevent it from having high cholesterol. So um, these just have complications. I want you to know that complications include it can cause liver disease, hepatotoxicity. Um, that's why before you do the you start this medication, you got to do all the client liver tests and do all the client blood level for cholesterol. It can cause myopathy, um, which is a heart problem. Um, so you want to obtain the client baseline creatinine kinase level. Creatinine kinase CK gave us a direct result, give a direct description of our heart function. Creatinine kinase, the BNPs and other things gave us uh, if uh, description of our heart at the point of starting this medication. These drugs are contraindicated in pregnancy categories X. Uh, just a good thing I want to know about this medication. Another thing I want to know about that is like a, um, when you take these drugs along with uh, fibrates, fibrates are also drugs that can work with this condition. The fibrates is F-I-B-R-A-T-E-S, fibrates. Example of the fibrate will be what we call the gym fibrosil. Gym fibrosil. Gym fibrosil is an example of the Joss class fibrates. Fibrate, this is an example of the Joss class fibrates. So if you combine fibrate medication to be specific, the gym fibrosil with uh with these HMG CoA medication, like, like the starting medications. Um, the client going to have an increased risk of myopathy. So you're going to obtain the client baseline creatinine kinase levels before starting these medications. You want to advise the client to report any muscle pains because muscle pains and any pains of the body are all symptoms of heart problem with these medications being administered. Grapefruit juice can increase the level of statins. So you do not want to administer grapefruit juice with statins medications. Any question on this medication?
So these are just main things I want you to know about this cardiac medication and other things. Um, any question on the medication? So medication affecting coagulation. There are several agents that modify coagulation. Um, it helps to prevent clot formation or break apart an existing clot. So there are two things these drugs do. They either prevent clot formation or they break down into pieces, clots that have already been formed. This medication work in the blood to alter clotting cascade. They prevent platelet aggregations or they are capable of dissolving a clot. That's why they are all called anticoagulants. All this condition carries a huge risk of bleeding. The goal in this medication administration is to alter the process of coagulation, which is to increase circulation, thus by uh, increasing perfusion and will decrease the pains that come with when we have circulatory problem and it will prevent tissue damage. So when clots are formed, it impairs circulation and when circulations are impaired in our, in our body, it will impair delivery of O2 to other body cells that, are, that need O2. This will cause tissue damage and it can cause death. So this group of drugs are called the anticoagulant. So we have the parenteral anticoagulant, we have the direct protein inhibitors, we have direct inhibitors of factor XA, and we have the anti-platelet medications and the thrombolytics agents. All these drugs are anticoagulant. So we'll start the first one, which is the parenteral anticoagulant. Is the parenteral parenteral anticoagulant. Now the parenteral anticoagulant number one is the heparin. Heparin is one of the most commonly used drugs in the English. Um, heparin, we have what we call the low molecular weight heparin, which is called the inoxaparin. The inoxaparin, the inoxaparin, it is the low weight molecular heparin. This medication they prevent clot activating antithrombins directly works on clots in the body. So this medication, the heparin, inhibits fibrin formation because fibrins will lead to clots. So fibrins will lead to clot. So these drugs prevent fibrin formation. Heparin. Heparin, heparin works in the following condition. One, condition that will, will prompt anticoagulant administration. Like it, it goes against evolving clots. So it, it stops new clot formation. That's one of the functions of heparin. It prevents new clot formation. That's one. It prevents 
pulmonary embolism it also prevents deep vein thrombosis all oh, this condition can create new clots in the body so heparin goes against these conditions heparin can be used as an adjunct therapy for clients who are having open heart surgery or who having renal dialysis because in renal dialysis in open heart surgery the client is at risk for clot formation that might be that might kill the client or that might increase the client risk of fertility this heparin medication or heparin can also treat DIC DIC is disseminated intravascular coagulation so heparin can treat DIC and prevent DIC from occurring heparin does not dissolve blood clot just so it does not dissolve blood clot it prevents new clot formation and also prevent all clots from increasing their weight the weight of clot already formed that's what they do then we have the inosoparin which is a low molecular weight heparin so the so the, the inosoparin it is the low weight heparin medication that we use now this low weight heparin they prevent DVT, deep vein thrombosis. They prevent uh, incline who, who are post-op. This medication can treat DVT and pulmonary embolism. So the low weight can treat DVT, it can treat pulmonary embolism. It can prevent complication of angina. When a client has angina, this low weight molecular heparin, which is the inosoparin, can prevent angina uh can prevent angina complication so um these drugs can also cause complication they can cause hemorrhage when there's a secondary heparin overdose hemorrhage secondary heparin overdose is going to cause complication so in this case, the nurse wants to monitor the client virus sign. You want to advise the client to observe for signs of bleeding. Um, those signs of bleeding will, will include increased heart rate, decreased blood pressure, bruising, petechia, hematomas, black tire stools. Those are all signs of bleeding, which could be a symptoms of the complication when the client is on heparin. Like I said, you want to remember these signs for all of the complication because in the NCLEX, we have to know the signs and symptoms of the complication to prevent the complication or to manage it when it occurs. Um, heparin can also have toxic, toxicity or overdose. When we have heparin overdose, we use the protamine sulfate as an antidote for heparin. Simple as that. Protamine should be administered slowly with IV. It is not to be given within more than 20 minutes or with 10 milligrams in 10 minutes. We do not exceed 100 milligrams in two hours period. It is given cautiously 
to prevent protamine overdose. So we administer protamine for heparin overdose. But if we do not administer it slowly, we're going to also have protamine overdose. So it must be administered very slowly to prevent its overdose. Now, um, so then we have, uh, you want to obtain the client virus signs. You want to obtain the client baseline and monitor the client blood count, CBC, the complete blood count, the client platelet counts, hematocrits, and other things. Check the client dosages with another nurse. Use an infusion pump to administer the IV administration of the medication. Monitor the client APT. TT every four to six hours when the client started the drug. The client APTT to be monitored every four to six hours when the client starts the heparin infusion. Um, you want to administer the deep sub Q injection in the abdomen, ensuring a distance of two inches from the umbilicus. Do not aspirate. Apply gentle pressure for one to two minutes after the injection. Ensure the client to monitor for bleeding, the, the gum, gum bleeding, abdominal pains, nose bleed, coffee ground, emesis, black tires too. Those are all signs and symptoms of bleeding when the client is on heparin. Any question on heparin? For the inositoparin, which is the low dose which is a low molecular weight heparin, want to monitor, monitor the client is required because these drugs can be given at home. Uh, I'm sorry, monitoring is not required. I mean, for a low weight, it can be given at home. But the heparin, we do not administer heparin at home. We can administer the, the endosoparin at home because it's a low molecular weight heparin, uh, which the client can give by themselves. So in this case, you gotta just kind of the client gotta carry the pre-filled syringe home, um, and uh, the client can administer it at home. Pre-filled syringes uh, are available in various dosages for subcutaneous injection. Do not rub the injection site for one to two minutes after you gave the injection. You do not rub the site after you administer the inositoparin for at least one to two minutes. You tell the client to monitor. For bleeding, um, you know the sound of bleeding. Tell the client to avoid the use of NSAID medication, aspirin medications, or any other drug that contain salicylate properties. So that it should be avoided when the client is on a nasal or any of these heparin, heparin medication. The client should use electric razor blade for shaving. And should brush that teeth with a soft toothbrush when the client is on these medications. Any question? So we say for heparin. Yeah. We say for heparin. So when the client is on heparin infusion, this APD it doubles. It's between 1.5 to what? To 2.5 to 2.0 with normal time. So that would be. 60 to 80 uh to 80 to 80 to 80 
uh, 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 seconds. So that is the normal ABTD when the client is on heparin. So whenever the client blood level above, when the client is, whenever the client is on heparin, and the client is a the client or uh, the the client ABTD is above eighty seconds, you you should put in what bleeding precautions. Yeah, any question? Yeah, uh, Amadou. Yep. And that question I had been yesterday at work. So for the for the waffle ring, it is just almost the same of herring, but this medication is given orally. It is the oral anticoagulant. It treats venous thrombosis. It treats venous formation in clients who have atrial fibrillation or prostatic heart valve it treats it prevents uh recurrent myocardial infarction or tra which we call a transient ischemic attack it prevents those conditions and it also prevent or treat pulmonary embolism and deep vein thrombosis dvt um it, it has the same complication with uh with um heparin which include hemorrhage um like i said Know the signs of hemorrhage and know the treatment for hemorrhage. It's applied to every other hemorrhagic drug complication. Know the drugs overdose. When there's an overdose of the Wolverine or the Comandine, one of the minutes of vitamin K. Vitamin K promotes synthesis of coagulation factors, factor 7, factor 9, and factor 10 and also protrobenes. Vitamin K is administered IV slowly in a diluted solution. We do not give vitamin K raw. Vitamin K needs to be diluted to administered um, to prevent anaphylactoid type 2 type reaction. Anaphylactoid type reaction. So if we give vitamin K raw like that with all diluting it, it might lead it, it leads to anaphylactoid reaction, which is not good for the client. So it gotta be diluted into, into another fluid for it be administered. Um if vitamin K cannot control the bleeding, the client should take fresh frozen plasma or whole blood. So if the client is having bleeding and vitamin K cannot stop the client bleeding, we just Banish the bleeding site and administer whole blood, or we administer fresh, uh, we administer uh, 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 the fresh frozen plasma with a client on commanding or hovering. Uh, these medications are contraindicated in pregnancy category X. Um, these drugs are also contraindicated in clients who have vitamin K deficiency, who have liver disorder who have alcohol use disorder due to additive risks of bleeding. They should be given cautiously with clients who have hemophilia, the bleeding disorder. It could be hemophilia type 1 or type 2, A or B. It should be used cautiously. Clients who have dissecting aneurysm, clients who have peptic ulcer disease, clients who have severe hypertension, clients who have threatened abortion, we use this drugs with cautions in this client. We do not want to administer 
heparin, aspirin, glucocorticoids, sulfonamides, parenteral cephalosporins with with this just commanding it's going to increase the risk of bleeding so even Tylenol if we administer Tylenol with acetamide uh, with 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 Coumadin, it still increases the risk of bleeding when you are administering Tylenol uh, when you are, when you are administering Coumadin, you want to make sure to know the client iron error the international normalized ratio and also know the client PT the client protrubing time you want to do that for the client very well you want to do the client APTT levels when you are administering this medication along with other medication. Concurrent use of this commandine with phenobarbital, with carbamazepines, with phenantine, with, with phenantine or dalantine, with oral contraceptives, with vitamin K. You got to be cautious because these drugs I talk about they can decrease the effect of commandine. Food that are high in vitamin K, such as dark green leafy vegetables like lettuce, cooked spinach, cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, mayonnaise, and canola and soybean oil can decrease the anticoagulant effect of coumadin. Now, they can decrease it. It does not mean we do not give them with green we're going to give you a caution. So giving you a caution is not the same as contraindicated. If it is contraindicated, we do not administer it. If they give you a caution, meaning we can administer it, but we should monitor the claim for other uh, average effects of the medication. Any question? So, yes, I, do. I have a question. Yeah. Can we take um, ibuprofen with... Um, 